Welcome to the Truth About ICD-10 podcast with tips and strategies to improve documentation, billing, and compliance as you transition to ICD-10. This is the ideal podcast for front desk, clinicians, and billers. For more information and to get your free ICD-10 book, please visit www.truthabouticd10.com. And now, your host and author of The Truth About ICD-10, Dr. Nitin Choda. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this training on preparing for ICD-10. Now, ICD-10 diagnosis scores, basically, uh, we're talking about an impact to the, to the diagnosis aspect and not on the treatment aspect. So there'll be no change to the CPT codes. Now, uh, you know, the replacement from ICD-9 to ICD-10 codes is not really going to bring about an increase in revenue to a practice. What it's going to do is it's going to essentially increase the burden on a practice from a documentation standpoint, from a payment justification standpoint, simply because the practice and the clinicians are now going to need to be a lot more detailed. They're going to need to provide approve medical necessity using the correct ICD-10 diagnosis code. So, you know, there's a lot of talk about doing an impact analysis, obviously training your staff, going to courses, going to seminars, perhaps even updating your EMR software, your billing software. And the truth is, you know, with a few basic steps, you you can be prepared. Let's just uh, take a closer look on some of the anticipated benefits associated with ICD-10 and how you can best prepare for some of them. One of the anticipated benefits of ICD-10 is that there'll be a reduction in, in, you know, in claim denials simply because there's going to be more detailed information about the ICD code. Well, the truth is, at the end of the day, um, you know, the more specific you are as a clinician with your documentation, the better. And the, you know, the big question is, will the ICD-10 codes that you designate in your documentation, will they be sufficient to prove to the payer that your the work that you did, the procedure that you selected was medically necessary? Will that be enough for them to deny claims or will they turn around and say, wait a minute, you need to submit additional documentation. You need to submit additional proof as to why you selected that particular ICD-10 code. Well, the fact is, you know, uh, we'll know as ICD-10 codes are implemented. Right now, the best thing you can do if you're listening to this uh, to this audio as a front desk person, as a clinician, as a biller, is to make sure that you identify the top 20 ICD-9 codes that you're working with. Again, identify the top 20 ICD-9 codes that, uh, that you use in your practice on a day-to-day basis. And then use some sort of a crosswalk or some sort of a mapping tool to figure out the closest set of ICD-10 codes. Let me be clear. The best you can do is is try and figure out the closest set of ICD-10 codes. There is no one-to-one mapping between ICD-9 codes and ICD-10 codes. So please don't expect that simply because ICD-10 codes are a lot more detailed. So one-to-one mapping between ICD-9 codes and ICD-10 codes actually do not exist. Uh, That's one of the reasons why it's really important to identify 
your top 20 ICD-9 codes. And then once you identify them, uh, you know, get the corresponding set of ICD-10 codes using some sort of an online or mapping tool or using, you know, ICD-10 books and then start to become familiar with those ICD-10 codes and then simply start to document accordingly. So what you want to do is you've got to have a date in mind for your ICD-10 transition. You've got to say, okay, by this date, you know, we're, uh, we're basically going to be documenting with ICD-10 codes. You've got to conduct some sort of, you've got to create some sort of an internal plan so that, uh, so that you know, when ICD-10 comes around and the anticipated implementation date of ICD-10 at the point of recording of this uh, audio is October 1st, 2015. You've got to make sure that when that day comes, you're able to just, you know, right out the gate, start documenting with ICD-10. Now, um, you know, uh, it's often, you know, a lot of questions, I, I get a lot of questions as, you know, as the author of the book, The Truth About ICD-10, I get a lot of questions about what kind of software, whether it's an EMR software, billing software, clearing, how should you use? The fact is, um, there has to be an update from your EMR vendor, your billing software, and your clearinghouse where they can actually support ICD-10s. Think about it this way. The origin of the ICD-10 code is from the subjective component of your documentation. Um, this ICD-10 code should then be transmitted to the billing software, which should then have the capability to transmit it to the clearinghouse. The clearinghouse should then be able to transmit the ICD-10 code to the payer and now the payer needs to not only recognize the ICD-10 code, but also, uh, you know, pay you for it. And the payer may turn around and ask you to prove why you selected that particular ICD-10 code. So at the end of the day, as a practice, what you've got to do is you've got to start preparing for ICD-10 by asking yourself, okay, what does the front desk need to do? Is your front desk involved in you know, possibly, uh, you know, the ICD, the, uh, it's obviously the clinician that selects the ICD code, but does your front desk uh, sort of uh, interact with the patient in such a way where they have to either, uh, you know, oversee or even insert or verify the ICD code for that particular patient. So what you've got to do is identify every single staff member that's involved in the selection of the ICD-9 or the ICD-10 code, and then make sure that, you know, those staff members are trained so that, uh, you know, you're, you're prepared for your transition. So, you know, a good thing to do would be to simply look at your entire practice and say, okay, who are the staff members that have anything remotely to do with the, with the diagnosis of the patient? Obviously, it's the clinician, most definitely the biller and the coder, but does the front desk also need to be trained? on, uh, you know, on ICD-9 versus ICD-10. So when the switch does indeed happen, it's crucial that your staff becomes familiar with the new codes. In fact, like I said, it's important to make sure that uh, you have some degree of comfort using the new ICD-10 codes because, uh, you know, you've, you've got to practice ahead of, uh, of the staff rate. Now, Another another thing to keep in mind is you've got to make sure that your staff members are trained because if they you know if if you're not very well trained with ICD-10 and trust me there's going to be a lot of individuals who you know who need that training uh, the flip side is other staff members who are who are knowledgeable about ICD-10 who are educated who you know are prepared for ICD-10 they'll actually be in high demand so the last thing you want 
as a clinician, as a private practice owner, uh, as an administrator, is to actually have only one or two key members who are ICD-10 trained, and then for some reason they're unavailable, they quit, they move to another practice. That is the sort of stuff you want to be really, really careful about because fundamentally what you need is you need every single staff member who handles either ICD-9s or ICD-10s to be confident, to be familiar with the ICD-10 codes. In other words, you need everyone to be cross-trained because you want you, you want you want to find yourself in a position where every single staff member is familiar with uh, with ICD-10. I mean, well, let's talk about the clinician specifically. The clinician, um, you know, the the entire objective of ICD-10 is to allow the clinician to uh, better document what's going on with the patient in order to hopefully develop better treatment plans. Keep in mind, CPTs aren't changing. Uh, it's just the ICDs that are. But the objective is so that the clinician can, you know, create a better treatment plan, can can bring about better patient outcomes, and can basically, you know, create better intervention programs. Now, uh, again, the flip side to that is the intervention program is not always tied to the diagnosis code. Uh, you know, you can have an outstanding intervention program that has, at times, very little to do with the diagnosis code. Because at the end of the day, what you do for the patient and what you bill out, uh, namely the CPT codes, that's what ultimately determines how much you get paid. But the fact is, you know, all the treatment planning that's done by clinicians, you know, is, is fundamentally based on on the clinical assessment, is based on the diagnosis code. So like it or not, um, you know, um, even if your clinical assessment for a patient is going to fundamentally stay the same, even if your ability to take care of the patient is fundamentally going to stay the same, which it probably is, as a clinician, you're now going to have to face the new reality of documenting ICD-10 codes. Whether you like it or not, you're going to face the reality of having to document with a much higher level of specificity, with a much higher level of detail. In fact, you're going to have to be so drilled down that a payer could potentially deny your claim if a more specific ICD-10 code exists uh, for that particular encounter. This could potentially open up the opportunities for payers to say, hey, wait a minute, you selected this ICD-10 code, but this ICD-10 code was more applicable based on your documentation. And therefore, that could either result in a claim denial or in a partial payment. And you definitely don't want that happening to you. So I hope this helps uh, create a foundation for ICD-10 training. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you in the next training.